Hello friends and welcome to another episode of Boss Builder Podcast. So this week I am back from a road trip. We did our very first run of our newest course, which is Preparing to Be the Boss. Had a great time with that. Back now for the weekend and frankly fairly exhausted. So part of my to-do list today was recording a podcast and I did and I did this podcast recording for my other station, our sister podcast, which is HR Oxygen. The audience there, of course, is the overwhelmed, overstressed, and underappreciated HR professional. After talking to our guest, and the topic was how to slow down your life to speed up success, I thought, you know what? This is going to be a really good one for this podcast. And so for those of you who are listening to it today, you're probably thinking, all right, I'm not going to listen because it's some touchy-feely thing. And if that's you, then just be quiet and listen. Some of you might think, well, I'm not a spiritual person and I don't believe in that stuff. Or some of you might say, I'm a religious person and we don't believe in this stuff. It doesn't really matter what you believe, what you think, what you feel. Bottom line is, if there is something that can help you feel more energetic and more productive, you would probably be interested in checking it out. So our guest is Visa Shenmugam, and she was actually introduced to me through my director of operations, Lisa Young. I guess they're neighbors, and I was really excited to chat with her, and after we did it, I thought, you know what? Absolutely, this is going to go on Boss Builder Podcast. So, you all know what to do. Let's buckle up and get ready to roll. Sally, take it away. Welcome to the Boss Builder Podcast. Visa Shanmugan, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm really glad you can be here too. We actually have been connected through uh, our very own uh, Lisa Young, who I guess knows you from her neighborhood. And as we were looking for interesting people to have on the show, she says, you have to interview my friend. And so she connected us and we we talked for a while. And I'm just glad that we can be here today to to get connected. So uh, Visa, you have a very interesting background, and before we get into the topic today of how to slow down your life to speed up success, um, share something about your personal story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do have a very, I guess, I don't want to call it abnormal, but out of the ordinary story. I grew up in India till I was 11 years old, and then I moved to the UK when you know my dad decided to move us all there, and then I had an arranged marriage, and I moved to the US when I was very young, was 21 when I had my arranged marriage. Um, So I've done it all. You know, I got my bachelor's degree in marketing. I moved to the US and then I got my MBA in marketing. And I did the whole corporate climbing the ladder thing. And after I had my first baby when he was 16 months old, I just had this aha moment of what am I doing with my life? Because I just woke up every day, not really looking forward to Monday mornings. And I I realized that I was maybe mildly even depressed. I had this beautiful life in front of me, but I wasn't able to enjoy any of it um, because I was unhappy and I couldn't figure out why I was so unhappy. So that really started my own exploration into what can I do to make my life feel more fulfilled and purposeful, which has led me to start businesses, fail in them, and eventually find my purpose, which is what I do today as a mindset coach. 
So that's a long journey. And you mentioned your degree was in marketing. So you were working for some, was it large corporations before you just sort of had this breakthrough? Yeah, Fortune 10, Fortune 50 companies. Yes. Wow. So I want to just pause and go back a little bit because I have never actually talked to someone who was in an arranged marriage. And you know, I have probably a billion questions I would love to ask, but <laughs> we, can another, if, we can do another. We can do another episode on that one. <laughs> I would really, I'd be really interested. Um, I had watched this special on the CBS Morning News a few months ago, and it was actually featuring relationships from around the world. And they went to India, and I, I guess from what the news says, and of course I'll ask you to verify, it's very common there. But what was also interesting is how low the divorce rate is as compared to a country like the U.S. where the thought of an arranged marriage is just something that no one would ever even consider here. So I'm just a little curious about that. Was that out of the ordinary for you or was it just something that was to be expected? It was something completely expected. I mean, that's what my parents had. That's what my grandparents had. I didn't know any different. Um, so growing up, that was always what was expected of me. One of the greatest fears for my parents moving to the U.K. was, what if she decides to not have an arranged marriage? So when they brought me at the very young age of 11 years old to the UK, the thing that they would keep telling me is, remember, you're not allowed to date boys. You're going to have an arranged marriage. So yeah, that's that's the way it was. Yeah. Well, I guess, I mean, I think about myself as the parent of three young adults, um, one of which is already married with children, but two others. And I keep thinking, I can pick a really good partner for you just because I'm old and I know these things, but I don't think they would ever be down for that. <laughs> well, the, the interesting thing is that I have now met many women that would actually would like their parents. They say, you know, I wish my parents would actually pick somebody for me. Maybe they've had their heart broken one too many times, but I think with life experience, you start to realize, you know what, my parents actually have my best interests at heart. And sometimes they know us better than we know ourselves. Yeah, I would have to agree with that as a parent. And I guess we bring all the wisdom of experience with us and we've seen young love, we've experienced it and know what works and what doesn't. So uh, I am actually a big fan, again, convincing my son and daughter. I don't think that's going to happen, but maybe they'll tune into this podcast and they'll say, you know, Dad, I think it's time you pick somebody for me. And then I'm <laughs> going to call you back up, Visa, and ask you for some help. Okay. Well, I don't personally have any experience of picking partners because my kids are very young. You know, I've been happily married for 16 years, so... I can definitely give them the pros of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I would want them to, to know is the pros. So uh, to build on that a little bit, when your children get to that age, have you thought about what your influence will be in that? Oh, boy. Well, they are born and brought up in the U.S. So I have, you know what? I don't have an answer for that. I don't know. Um, I hope that I teach them enough good values that... When the time comes, they will decide whether they want me to pick some somebody for them or they pick, you know, her themselves. Um, but that is something I have not thought about. But I don't have any expectations of them to have an arranged marriage because of where they're growing up. I don't think that's a fair thing that I can put on them. Well, where you live, I mean, there's a community of I mean, it's very international. We lived there for 14 years. And I think at one point I heard that there was 35 different languages spoken, which yeah. I think there, I mean, there's such a multicultural, you know, aura, but boy, if you came here where I live, it's 
there's nothing like that. <laughs> yeah, we live, I think it was uh, named the, the most diverse county in the United States, or at least one of the top. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, that's exciting because, again, where are you going to have children really get a whole world experience in their own neighborhood? Um, most definitely different, again, from here, even where I grew up. But uh, anyway, I'm not going to go there anymore because, again, I'm, I'm super curious. But but I'm, I appreciate you sharing that. I want to go back to your happy and successful life. Things were on paper looking really good for you, and yet inside you were unhappy and you felt empty. And I'm just guessing a lot of our listeners might be in that same predicament right now. Why do you suppose that happens? I believe I can only speak for myself. And now the more clients I help, I'm starting to see the pattern, which is that we tend to really chase things outside of ourselves to fill a gaping hole within ourselves. And so we tend to chase the job promotion or maybe the perfect weight um, the big house, the big vacations, money in the bank, all of that we think is going to give us happiness. And so we go chasing after them. And sometimes we're able to get them, sometimes we're not. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners would have noticed that once they do get that promotion or they get to that ideal weight, the shine might be there for one or two weeks, but then that old feeling creeps back in again. And then the itch starts again and you start to think, well, maybe Maybe I just need to move companies or maybe I need to be able to fit in these jeans or maybe that's another five pound, whatever it might be, the goal keeps shifting. And so we keep chasing and chasing and chasing. And that's what I was doing in my life. I thought I just need to change companies. Or I need to get a bigger pay or a better bonus. And every time I got to my goal, it didn't fill the hole inside of myself. And so, you know, the if you want to feel full on the inside, the solution, whatever the the thing that you are chasing for also has to come from the inside. That is the, the big thing that I want everyone who's listening to this to take away is that the solution also comes from within. It is not external. And we tend to live in a world that feels very isolating and scary, especially if you listen to the news. It's most often always bad news. So talk about feeling scared, right? You turn on the news and it's all about what's going wrong with the planet, the wars, the politics, nothing actually makes us feel good. So one of the things I don't do anymore is listen to the news. Yeah, it's probably one of the healthiest things a person can do right now. Yeah. So we live in a time, you know, we've, we fear time running out. We fear money running out. Our energies are always exhausted and drained. So we just, we don't take the time to be still. That's, I, I feel so, we feel so disconnected from ourselves and to the world around us. And no wonder I was waking up every day feeling so unhappy. Well, I'm guessing too, if somebody's listening to this, they're thinking, okay, I am working, you know, 10, 12 hours a day. I'm doing work at home. I am going to do work on the weekend. I'm doing all these things. I'm not getting ahead. If I am getting ahead, it's very, very slow. Does this advice apply to them too? Because I'm wondering, what does it look like for that solution to come from within? Yeah, absolutely. We all fall into this trap of, I just need to go harder and faster and longer. Then I'll finally get to the place that's going to allow me to feel good. Um, and that is the biggest lie that we can feed ourselves. So I always tell people, you doing more is not going to fill you up more. So one of the things that I teach my clients to do is... Um, what is causing you stress, right? How kind are you being to yourself? Most of, the, most of the stress we feel 
is self-induced and the language we use within our own heads in between our ears. Um, most of us tend to be extremely self-judgmental, extremely self-critical, and nothing we do ever seems good enough. We walk into the house, it feels messy, and we're like, man, I can't even keep my house organized. We walk into our cars and maybe, you know, the gas is empty and we either blame it on our spouse who like, you know, we say, I wish he'd filled it up. Um, or we get really mad at ourselves, like how unorganized can I be? And it just goes on and on and on, right? And there's this immense amount of guilt that we feel as parents. Maybe we're working too long and we don't give up kids the attention they need. And then we beat ourselves up for being a terrible parent. So the bullying, the internal bullying never ends. So the first thing I would say is, if you feel like you're not getting ahead in life, how kind are you being to yourself despite the challenges that you're being faced in life? Because you can never hate your life and hate yourself to something you love. You can only love yourself and love your life to creating the life you love, right? Well, that's so much different than, because, you know, I'll pull up my Instagram and there's all these platitudes, you know, grind harder and, you know, you get what you put in. And I'm thinking that's just feeding. And I've never heard it before, but internal bullying, that's powerful. Yes. But I, think that, I think that's what we do. I, I can tell you personally, I've done it. I'm, I'm a very bad bully to myself. And I disguise it as I'm just pushing myself hard. But it's no wonder you can be exhausted with this. It absolutely is exhausting because you can never never get away from that bully. And oftentimes, you know, again, when I coach my clients through this process, they realize the voice that they're he hearing is never actually their own. It's either a parent, well-meaning parent, um, a well-meaning teacher, well-meaning professor, and it's usually their voices that get disguised as our own. And we've been taught that the only way to improve in life is to be super hard on yourself, is to always be critical, is to always be looking at, well, what could you have done better? Yes, those, you know, what could you have done better is a very important question to ask. But we can ask ourselves that after giving ourselves a pat on the back, right? We think giving ourselves a pat on the back is maybe settling for less or we're going to lose the edge to the competition. And we think we're not going to drive ourselves as hard, but that that's who I used to be. I was the ultimate perfectionist. Nothing I ever did was good enough in my eyes. And I, you know, my own coach, when I started on my journey, made me realize you are so mean to yourself. And I was like, wait, doesn't that how everybody talks to themselves? I thought that was normal. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, yes, it is normal, but it's not healthy. And she said, think about it. You are bullying yourself all day long. No wonder you, you don't feel like you can get ahead in life because no matter what, you change that finish line and you tell yourself, this is why you're not good enough. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, that is, that is so eye-opening. Yeah. Well, let's focus on that, that hole inside of us. And it's something that I guess you can't like touch it. So it would have to be something explored. And so is that where meditation and spirituality play into this? Absolutely. Um, I was very much a person completely sold on the analytical world. Everything had to be rational, sensible, logical, whatever you could touch and feel with your five senses, it made sense. And I didn't even know I, I could explore something that was outside of those five senses. But the more I explore meditation now, I've been meditating consistently for the last four years. Um, I have delved deep into the spiritual world. Um, it's kind of hard for me to wrap my brain around that just because of how analytical I used to be. 
And so it's really allowed me to feel connected to something much, much, much bigger than myself. And it's allowed me to see how I was created as a plan for a bigger um Bigger thing, I don't know, you know, maybe I'm not articulating it beautifully, but one of the things that I felt very isolated by was the fact that I was alone. I just felt very alone. I felt like nobody got me and I felt like anything I wanted to achieve in life had to be so hard. I had to work 200% to achieve anything in life. And now the more I meditate, the more I feel connected to the world, the more spiritual I become, I realize that I'm actually co-creating my life which is that the universe is actually a partner with you when you are dancing through life and life has become so much easier. I have some mind-blowing stories of co-creations happening in my life and visions coming true from my meditation. You know, and now I, that's part of my mantra is you have to learn to slow down to speed up success. And part of slowing down comes from learning how to meditate and delving into the spiritual world. So those are two different concepts. Is meditation a tool in spirituality? I mean, how do how how are those different? And and is spirituality? I mean, does that have to be religion, or can it be something different? It can be something completely different. Um, you know, just because religion and spirituality are two very different things. But I think if you distill the core of what they actually talk about, which is you believing in a higher thing beyond yourself. I believe that's what both of them boil down to. And people have different ways of going about building that belief. You know, some people have religion and people like me, I'm more spiritual. And I believe that, you know, God exists within us. It's not something outside of us. So that's the big difference I would say is between spirituality and religion. Um, and so meditation is, like you said, it is a tool that helps you touch into that spiritual self. I see. So that's the gateway to get to what that looks like for you. And is then the spirituality, like the thing that fills the hole inside of you? Is that, am I? Yeah. Correctly? Okay, good. Absolutely. Yeah. We're well, all searching for things bigger than ourselves. We all want to feel like we belong. We all want to feel like I fit into the bigger jigsaw puzzle. We all want to feel like I'm making a difference, right? That's why we're all here in this world is we all desperately want to know uh, me being here, does it actually mean something? And is it making a difference? And when we allow to, you know, when we, through meditation, when we go within ourselves, you get, you do feel that connection. Well, meditation is now, seem, it seems like a lot more people are talking about it. Um, I've had people on the show before that talk about mindfulness and things like that. So um, tell me what the difference is between mindfulness and meditation, or is that a word that you use? Because I just hear it everywhere. So mindfulness is really bringing your mind into whatever it is that you might be doing in that moment. So a lot of us tend to live in our heads, which means you're either living in the past or living in the future. You're thinking about what could I have done differently this morning to come to my meeting on time? Or you're thinking about how can I get out of work early enough to get to the grocery store to come home, make dinner and get my kid out the door for their physical activity, right? We're not actually looking and being present in what we are doing. And so mindfulness is really about slowing down and bringing your five senses to whatever it is that you're doing in that moment. So for me, and it's very difficult to be mindful all day long. That's not even possible. I don't think unless you're maybe the Dalai Lama. 
<laughs> but one of the ways that we can become more mindful is if you tend to make coffee in the morning and that's one of your favorite things to do, how can you be more mindful in that process? Breathe in the aroma of the coffee. Feel what does that mug feel like in between my hands? The warmth, can I feel it spreading through my fingers? You know, and look at the the color of the coffee as you make it. And if you pour milk, how does it lighten that dark coffee, right? It's really using your five senses to slow you down and bring you back to your breath. And so when you are feeling anxious, maybe in traffic, again, you can be mindful instead of stressing out about, oh, shoot, I'm going to be late. Focus on your breath, right? Is it shallow? Is it is it rapid? So then slow it down, fill your belly up with air and really feel the air going through your nostrils, down your throat and down to your belly, and then exhale and feel that belly emptying out. That's really being mindful. Wow. So that's like going as deep inside as you can. Now, is meditation kind of like that or is that different? Meditation is, is yeah, the meditation practice is you're just cutting out all the external distractions that's happening, right? So for a lot of people, meditation, just sitting in silence for 10 minutes really scares them. Um, so a good way to, I guess, transition into meditation is to start mindfulness. But I, it's so hard to separate the two because they both feed into each other so much. Meditation helps you become more mindful because it helps you really slow down the moment, become aware of the moment. And meditation, I love saying, you know, your breath is probably one of the, the most unconscious things that you do in your life on repeat, right? You, we don't even think about breathing. And so meditation is bringing consciousness, conscious awareness to the most unconscious part of yourself, right? And so it helps doing that because what happens is as you get better and better at meditation, it allows you to become aware of the things that you do unconsciously, which depletes your energy, which helps, you know, which makes you lose your handle on things. You know, those reactions we tend to have, and then we go back and we think, oh gosh, I wish I could have handled that differently. I wouldn't have said it if only I'd been able to, you know, control my emotions better. Well, meditations helps you do that. It helps you control your emotions because it helps you build a tiny little gap between what's happening right now, what's triggering me, to how am I going to respond, not react, but respond. Meditation helps you lengthen that gap. So what is, is there a particular place that you could, that you should do this? Because it sounds like the mindfulness, I should be doing that. It could be anywhere. But I mean, do you have a meditation area of your house that you get into? And if so, how do, how do we set that up if somebody wanted to do that? Or am I way off with that? No, your meditation, it's, it works much better if you do have a, a place in your house that is dedicated to your meditation. So for me, that I would say, what is the safest part of the house that you feel? Like, where do you feel cozy? Where do you feel secure in your house? Where does it give you all the warm and fuzzies when you think about your house? If it's your bed, I would say make it your bedroom, not your bed, because most people tend to fall asleep when they meditate in their bed. Um, so for me, it's a nook in my bedroom. I have a comfortable chair and I have a blanket because I tend to get cold. And that's it. You can have candles, you can have flowers, whatever you need to make you feel at peace. That's going to help you slow down. So, you know, I, I cater to women, so I call it the goddess space. 
Um, so whatever makes you feel like you're ta- being taken care of. And I would dedicate, just start with five minutes. If you can't do 10, I would recommend 10. But if that scares you, start with five. Um, for me, having apps have definitely helped. I think if I just tell you to focus on your breath for five minutes, that's going to sound really intimidating. There's a ton of apps out there. And it's worth investing, you know, some of them are just $60, $70 for an annual subscription. Um, And they help you, you know, they keep you accountable. There's a community within those apps and you can check in. So just get into their practice. It's like brushing teeth, right? We expect, don't expect your teeth to become clean if you've never brushed them in one day. It takes consistent practice. The same with meditation. You're not going to see any benefits on day one. If you go in with expectations, be prepared to be disappointed. Um, just do it for 90 days straight and you will be amazed at how much better you're sleeping. You might be eating less because a lot of us stress eat. So the weight might be coming off. You might be actually have more patience with your kids because now you're taking 10 minutes of the day to yourself. I mean, the benefits just go on and on and on, but most people are into instant gratification and they think, but I'm wasting 10 minutes of my time by doing this. Nothing's actually happening. But I want you to take the long-term view and say, if I give this 10 minutes to myself, it's probably ex- you know, extending my lifespan. It's improving my relationships. It's improving my health. I'm probably going to be losing weight. Is that worth giving 10 minutes of your time every day? Sounds like you're going to be fighting with that inner bully on this occasionally. Yes. Meditation is very hard for the overachievers, the go, go, go people, um, because they're, they thrive on getting things done on their to-do list. So the idea of sitting still and not actually doing anything scares them. But when we do the things that scare us, it actually helps us grow. And I promise you, you're actually going to be more productive and you're going to have more clarity at work, which means you're going to get more things done in less time, going back to our theme of slowing down to achieve more success. Okay. Well, I told my inner bully to sit down and listen carefully. So hopefully (laughs) this is sinking in. Because I, I, I can tell that that he will be very active. But so I, I mean, I, you've sold me on this. I mean, this really sounds like it's something that I ought to be doing. That's beautiful. I'm glad. If I can change one person's mind to start meditating, then I have achieved my goal. You know, I, I said this to a friend the other day. I said, if only everybody, you know, in the world started to meditate 10 minutes a day, most of our world's global issues would be solved. That is how powerful meditation is. Wow. Yeah. And uh, think about what we'd save on uh, defense budget, right? Exactly. Exactly. We spend way too much of money, time, energy on fighting things instead of learning to love things. Well, I think that especially where you live, which again, we've lived in that area for many years. And when I came out to the country to live, which has been almost six years now, it took a long time before I could just take myself out of that stress. And then I remember we came back to Maryland for a trip and within 10 seconds, I blew the horn at somebody. And I told my daughter, this is the first time I've used the horn in like all these months. So, you know, it it might be easier for someone who lives away from the the rat race that some big cities have. But, um, but even still, I think that this is going to be valuable for anybody that wants to just start doing some internal healing and, You've, you say that one of the pillars of your work is radical self-love. I'm intrigued by that because is that the, the enemy of the internal bully or where does that fit into this? 
So radical self-love is a term, you know, self-love is thrown around a lot, but I really, I focus on radical self-love, which is learning to love the imperfect self today, right? We all believe I'm not good enough on some level. We all have this deep rooted fear of I'm not good enough. I'm never going to be able to fulfill my potential. We have these fears that's running inside of us and we all wait for some future, um, event or goal to happen. And we wait and we think when I get to that place, then I will be able to like and love myself, right? We all wait. And so you spend your entire life waiting for this other version of yourself to show up. And then we think, okay, then I'll be happy with myself. Well, no, that's what actually creates our entirety of our unhappiness. So radical self-love is learning to embrace and fall in love with the self that you are today while always reaching for more, right? So again, it's, it is going back to that inner bully. It's this constant self-talk that we have, which is not kind. You know, after this podcast, when you've listened to it, I want you to just for the next half an hour or one hour, try to become aware of the internal dialogue that you're having in your own head. It's probably a lot of judgment. It's either judging others or you're judging yourself. You're not going fast enough. You're running late you're terrible at this, you're bad at that, you will be amazed at how mean you are to yourself. And so radical self-love is learning. I am perfect the way I am right now. And most people will not be either able to say it to themselves and believe it. Yeah. Wow. Well, you are in the business of helping people through this journey. And so tell me about your practice, because you've said that you have clientele and this is what you do. What is it that you do and how do you do it? And how do we find people like you? Well, what I do is I help mainly women. I have had male clients, but my strength is to help women because I'm one myself. And I focus on the mom who is working, or it can be a single woman as well. She's working really hard. She's climbing the career ladder, but she finds herself stressed out, overwhelmed, feeling alone, like nobody really understands her. And she's working ever harder and not getting ahead in life. And she just feels totally disconnected, very much the woman I used to be, right? She wakes up on the weekday mornings with maybe a pit in the bottom of her stomach. And it's like, go, go, go. That's all she does. And then she crashes into bed at night and she starts the whole thing again. So she's completely aware of the fact that she's stuck in this nine to five hamster wheel rat race. She doesn't really like it, but she also feels a lot of shame for not being able to appreciate what she has because, you know, she does have a good life, but she does not know um, how to start truly, truly feeling grateful in every fiber of her being. It's a word that she says, but she doesn't really embody it or feel it. Um, So that's the woman I help. And the way I help her is, one, to clear away a lot of what I call limiting beliefs. Um, To your listeners, they might not have ever heard this term, but a limiting belief is all those thoughts that we have that we believe to be true about ourselves. Like I can't, I can't get the managerial role because I'm not smart enough, or I can't speak in front of the room of people. It's the, all the I can'ts I don't have that we have in our heads all the time, right? Oh, I can't put myself out there. No way. I'm too shy. Oh, I can't speak up in a meeting. Oh, I can't say that to my boss. It'll probably sound stupid, right? It's all those things that we hold back because of I'm doing air quotes right now, the truth in our heads. 
And what I help my clients do is separate what are your actual thoughts versus what's what are you feeling right now, right? Thoughts and feelings are two very different things. And our thoughts run our life. And our feelings are what drive us to make those decisions. So, I mean, I could go on and on with this answer, but when I help my clients separate thoughts from feelings and get in touch with their feelings, we're actually able to heal a lot of hurt from the past. We've, you know, all of us, regardless of what kind of childhood we've had, We've all experienced trauma, micro trauma, macro trauma, um, big and small trauma. And those traumas shape how we show up in our everyday lives. And a lot of those traumas are invisible to us. We think it didn't really matter. It happened a long time ago. Well, let me tell you, those those incidents actually affect what you do today and what you don't do today. So I help my clients connect to those traumas, heal them, forgive people um, to then really feel free right? Free to be who they need to be. You don't need, we all think we need to present a certain version of of ourselves to the world. And I strip all that down and I take my clients to their true self. And your true self is actually your most powerful self. So clients that have worked with me, some of the results they've gotten is I had a client that was doing the equivalent of two full-time jobs. By the time we were done working, she was able to get rid of one of her jobs, but still keep the pay, get a ton of support. Now she was showing up less stressed in her personal life. I've had women where money started showing up because now they're open to more receiving. Um, I've had clients start their own businesses, which they've been waiting around for years to start because they were too scared. So that's that's kind of what I do. And I do it through, you know, I do Zoom, um, which is a video app that we use to talk. So we have sessions. And then outside of those sessions, they have support from me where we voice each other back and forth. I teach them how to meditate and do a lot of forgiveness work. It's so juicy, the work I do. It's so different to anything that your clients have probably, I mean, your listeners have probably experienced before. Oh, it sounds like it'd be completely different. So when you spend a day, Visa, working with, and I don't know how many people you see in a day, does that energize you? Or does, at the end of the day, you have to go to your goddess space and uh, decompress? No, it completely energizes me, which is why I know the work I'm doing is what I was put on this earth to do. It does not drain me. Um, The more coaching I do, obviously, I have to limit myself to maybe, you know, three clients max a day. And then I do other things to build my business that also energizes me. Um, But I love this work. I know how to energetically protect myself. Again, that might be a word that's very alien to your listeners, um, we tend to give away, people rob our energy, and that's why we feel, feel, sorry, we feel so depleted at the end of the day. And so I know now how to conserve my energy and build my energy. And that's, again, one of the things that I teach my clients to do. So at the end of the day, I feel fantastic because I've made a real difference in someone's life, and now I know it has a ripple effect on people and their community that they live in. Well, you are most certainly speaking to the audience that listens to these shows, because for the most part, they are overwhelmed, overworked, overstressed. They may feel underappreciated. The inner bully is working overtime. And I think this gives a ray of hope. So I'm really glad to hear that, Visa. You said that you actually have clients through Zoom. So conceivably, you could have somebody from any part of the world work with you, correct? Absolutely. Most of my clients right now are in the U.S., um, but I technically, yes, I can help anyone from anywhere in the world, but I have clients all over the U.S. And one thing, this is 
not I'm not addressing the question you just asked me, but you keep talking about the inner bully, right? And I love that word because it is a bully. But one tip that I would have for you and your listeners is that the next time you talk harshly to yourself in your head, I want you to picture yourself as a little kid, right? If you can, if you can actually find a picture of yourself as a kid when you were six or seven and put it in front of you in your office, and the next time you're really hard on yourself and you are using really harsh words, I want you to say those words out loud to that picture of yourself and see what that feels like. Wow. You would never say that to yourself. That's very heavy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, I, I, this has been amazing. I've really enjoyed this. Can you give us some resources for listeners who may say, I don't know if I'm ready to work with um, you know, a mindset coach, but I want to start on meditation. Are there any particular apps that you recommend? And then most importantly, Visa, how do we get in touch with you? if somebody wants to move forward and start to work with you? Absolutely. So there are a couple of books I would recommend. Books have changed my life, and I'm now I'm a personal growth junkie. So one book I would recommend, it's called Becoming Supernatural by Dr. Joe Dispenza. So Dr. Joe Dispenza is actually a, a qualified doctor. He's an MD. And he's done a lot of research into tying spirituality and science together. For So those of you listening where you are feeling that you're feeling very resistant to meditation, you don't really think it works, go read this book. It's going to change your mind because there's so much scientific evidence to show that meditating can help actually heal diseases. If it can heal your body, imagine what other things it can do right? So that's one book I'd recommend. And then the second book that truly changed my life is it's called The Universe Has Your Back by Gabrielle Bernstein. She's a best-selling author. She's been interviewed by Oprah. She's on Super Soul Sunday on Oprah's show a lot. Um, she's amazing. And um, those are the two books I would start with for spirituality and one is for meditation. And then in terms of an app for meditation, um, Headspace is wonderful for beginners. Calm is another one. And the third one, which is my personal favorite, my husband does not like it. It's called Insight Timer, I-N-S-I-G-H-T, Timer, T-I-M-E-R. Um, that one, I would say if you've been meditating for a while, it's maybe more of an intermediate uh, meditation app, which is my personal favorite. And as far as where can people find me and my work and what I'm about, so I'm very active on LinkedIn. You can find me under my name, which is Visa Shanmugam. And then you can also find me on Instagram under the same handle, Visa Shanmugam. I post a lot of content. I post videos about my truth, right? I don't share anything in my life or in my content that I personally don't embody and live. I have gone through everything in terms of the strategies I share, the tools that have changed my life. I share all of it. And I'm not somebody who's just got a certificate, then I preach, right? Like I'm not about preaching. I'm somebody who lives it and then teaches it. Um, so LinkedIn and Instagram is where you'll find me most active. And I do have a website, www.visa. This is why I struggle with mindfulness. The train goes by. You can still use <laughs> mindfulness. You can still hear the loudness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm focusing on it very loudly, yes. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I don't want to cut out the most important part. So tell us about that website again. It's www.visalakshi, so V-I-S-A-L-A-K-S-H-I.com, which I'm sure will all be in your show notes. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Visa, I have really enjoyed this chat with you. I've learned an awful lot. And anytime I can learn something new on these podcasts, that I think is probably one of the big goals why I started it. And this has really been uh, enlightening and helpful for me. And I trust if you're listening to this today, too, and you're not currently taking care of your inner self, that you start on this journey. And please reach out to Visa, uh, follow her on social media. And I would love to see you actually engage with her as a client. So Visa, thank you again. Enjoy your weekend off. And we talked about this earlier. Even when we love what we're doing, Friday is still a good day. And, and it's a good day, isn't it? Yes. And I thank you so much for this opportunity. And I just want to let your listeners know there is a reason that you have been called to listen to this episode. You are meant to listen to this. So whatever stands out to you, whatever one nugget you want to take away, take action on it. And you'll be amazed at if you follow the breadcrumbs, what happens in life. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you in the role and struggling, and even those of you who are thinking about one day making the important transition to management. This podcast is just one resource we have. If you check out our website at greatbosstools.com, you can view some other resources we have there. We'd love to have you as part of our courses. If you're listening to this podcast on any podcast app, we'd also appreciate you taking a few moments to give us a review. Positive, of course, it really helps us out. So with that, take care and get out there and make it your goal to be the absolute best boss ever. Mm -hmm.